Wow, what an introduction. Thanks, Jankum. It's true, this year, Jenkin and Epsi moved in next door. Right, They said, we're moving into Narbalek Street and um, we think we're going to be up the road from you. What number are you? And I said, number two. And they said, we're number four. And there we are, neighbours with Jensen and Danielle as well. So it's been a real blessing. Do you know that we have had the opportunity every single Monday morning, because Monday, I work Tuesday to Friday, and Monday is my day. I have the grandkids, so it's my nana day. Jenkins starts late that day. Epsi does, has the day off. Every Monday morning, we meet at my house with the kids and we pray. We pray for our neighbourhood, our town, our families, our church. It has been such a blessing. You know, we've seen, I have seen definitely changes in my family since we've just gone deeper in more regular prayer, which is just an awesome thing. So I'm going to bring the message this morning. And I had a message a few weeks ago that I was working on, but God said, "Mm mm-mm. I want you to share this word with the church this morning. And the title is, oh, there we go. It's called Looking Back and Looking Forward, which, you know, I was a bit, one night I woke up, God gave me a title for the message that I was to bring. But, you know, I didn't write it down and I forgot it. So I said, I'm going to write this down, Lord, because it's a bit like this. And then I want you to tell me what really the title is you want me to bring this morning. Just give it to me, Lord. But, you know, he didn't. And it was like... I'm going to take a pen and paper to bear because I know he gave me such a good title for today's message. But looking back, looking forward is a bit, in a way, pertinent because we're looking back on the year 2023, we're going into the year 2024. But God wants me to share looking back and looking forward from the biblical lens of looking at the country of Israel, looking back in his word, what he said about it, and looking forward, looking to the present and looking forward to what he says is going to happen in Israel. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. That's the journey that we're going on together. So firstly, how did Israel become a nation? Or why did Israel become a nation? Better get my clicker out. And the first script, oh, Israel became a nation for two reasons. Oh, there you go. Sorry, go back. Israel became a nation because God promised Abram, he was Abram then, that he would make him a great nation. And secondly, because we know that God is faithful to keep his promises. God does not deny himself. God is God. And what he says goes. So they're the two reasons Israel became a nation. God is faithful to his word and he made a promise to Abram. But we need to look at scripture because we know that we want to, f- we, to find the truth in God, what God says is we need to go to the Bible and the Old Testament is full of prophets that have prophesied things that have happened in the New Testament that are still going to happen and that we are seeing even happening in the days that we live. So in Genesis 12 and 13, God said to Abram, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There are a lot of active statements there, aren't there? You know, Abram left his country, his security, his father's house. He didn't know where he was going, but God said, start the journey. So Abram started the journey, not knowing where he was going. 
And God has said, as he stepped out on that journey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you a great nation. We know Abram had no children at that time, him and Sarai. I'm going to bless those who bless you and I'm going to curse him who curses you. And through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram leaves his father's house and he goes, we know, to the land of Canaan. And further down in Genesis 13... Let's go back. Go. Oh, there we go. They've linked up. God says to Abram, he says, all the land you see I give to you and your descendants forever. That's a promise. All the land that you see, the land of Canaan, is for you and your descendants forever. And Abram has a discussion with God. And so down in Genesis 15, we read this scripture. Abram... It's sort of questioning God. He wants to know, well, you know, that's what you say, God, and I believe you, but how, how do I really know that's going to happen? And so God says, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And um, Abram replied, Lord God, how shall I know that I shall inherit it? And so God says to him, bring me a heifer and bring me the goats. Remember, he's going to cut covenant with Abram because in the Old Testament, when you gave a promise and you gave your word, you cut covenant with that person. And so they brought the animals, the heifer, the turtle dove, the pigeons, the goats, and cut them through the middle so there was blood shed. And then both parties would walk through the middle and blood was shed. And this was how they cut covenant. And it was a covenant unto death. So God is showing Abram that not only have I given you my word, but I'm cutting covenant with you so that you know that you inherit this land, you and your descendants, forever it is your land. Amen? Oh, thanks. I think I must have a bit of a, what do you call it, a loose finger. So, and I didn't touch it then. It was down, so it's very... Touchy. I just wanted to show you in um, Genesis 32. This is the first time we see the name Israel actually in the Bible. It's when Jacob was on his own and he wrestled with the man till break of day. And when the day was breaking, the man said to him, which could have been an angel, some people, some commentaries say, or it could have been um, God himself. At the break of day, the man says, let me go. And Jacob goes, no, 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 I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. And he says, what is your name? And he goes, I'm Jacob. And the, the man says, from now on, you shall be called Israel because you have struggled with God and men and you have prevailed. And that's the first time in the Bible we see the introduction of the name Israel. And it was given to Jacob. Remember, Abram had Isaac. Isaac went on to have Jacob. So it's the lineage of Abram. Now, the Jewish people were in the promised land. They were in the land of Canaan, which they then called Judea, and they were walking with God, but they rebelled in their walk and they worshipped idols. The, the men often married foreign wives. They brought them in. They worshipped their idols. They weren't walking with God. In Isaiah, it says, you know, you praise me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. And so God 
allowed the Jewish people to go into exile twice. First, they went taken into Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar came in, he destroyed the temple of Solomon and he took captive Jewish people back to Babylon. Remember, Daniel was part of that. And it was already prophesied through the prophets, Jeremiah, that they would be there for 70 years and then they would be allowed to go back to their homeland. And what God was doing was, because they were rebellious, he allowed this because he wanted them to know that he was their Lord and they needed to worship him and him only. So when they went back to the land, they went back with a purpose to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed by the king of Babylon. And we know that through Nehemiah, through Ezra, that they went back, they rebuilt the wall, the temple, praise came back in, they walked with God again. But again, as time went on, they were rebellious again. So God allowed... um, a second exile, and this is what we call the diaspora, when the Jewish people were dispersed globally throughout all the world. And that was prophesied as well in the Old Testament. We're not going to bring all the scriptures, but I'll show you a few. When you read the minor prophets and the major prophets, they predicted the Jewish people would be dispersed throughout the world. They predicted they would go into captivity in Babylon for 70 years. So when the people come back into the land after they've been held captive in Babylon, there were other countries that came and they dominated and they ruled. But I'm just going to focus on the Roman Empire that came in. So the Roman Empire came in and they controlled the area of Judea. And that was when Jesus was born. He walked on the earth. That was when there were Roman occupied or the Roman uh, ruling at the time, the Roman authorities there. And they were very cruel. And they were very... they. They didn't like the way the Jewish people honoured their God, their father God. They loved their God. They loved the holy city of Jerusalem. And, you know, for so many feasts of the, you know, for the Jewish people during the year, they would have to return to Jerusalem. Do you remember when Jesus was 12 years old and he went with his family to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem? They all travelled there. So there were some feasts throughout the year the Jewish people travelled to Jerusalem. And the Romans didn't like this. And so what they did, and the Jewish people, at times they revolted because they were so, there were uprisings because the Roman control was so cruel. So the uprisings weren't successful and the Roman occupation actually stopped access to the holy city of Jerusalem so the Jewish people couldn't go there. And they actually changed the name of Jerusalem. They also, there was another revolt, the Jewish people rose up and the Romans, to stop that connection with the land of the Jewish people, named, renamed Judea, Syria, Palestina. And that's the first time we hear the name Palestina or Palestine introduced into history. And it was the land of the Jewish people who were living there in Syria, Palestina, full of Jewish people. So... A lot of the Jewish people, because of the Roman cruelty, started trickling away. They went into other countries that were uh, governed by, you know, the Roman Roman occupation also went into other countries. And that's where often Jewish people went as slaves. And they started to disperse from the land. In Zechariah, through his prophet, God spoke to the people and he said, now Zechariah lived hundreds of years before Jesus even walked on the earth. And he prophesied, I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations which they had not known. And thus the land became desolate after them so that no one passed through or returned. 
and there are other prophetic uh, utterances in the Old Testament. But what God said was, I'm going to scatter you, and I'm going to scatter you among all the nations which you had not known. And no one is going to, the land is going to be desolate, and it's going to be barren, and no one's going to want to come back there. And that's what happened. The Jewish people, they left their homeland that God had given them, and they were scattered around the world, and they established themselves in different countries. They had businesses, they had children in the, in different, in the countries that they were living in, they learned the languages, they became planted around the world in the different countries. But you know, that covenant that God made with Abram, that the Jewish people would always have their homeland in the land that he gave them, was always there. God always had a plan for Israel and he was always going to bring the Jewish people back to the land. And that was also prophesied throughout scripture and the Old Testament. In Ezekiel 37 and 21 it says, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations wherever they have gone and I will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. In Amos... I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. I shall plant them in their land and no longer shall they be pulled up. So God has a plan that when he brings them back, they are no longer going to be pulled up from the land I have given them. And this is what says the Lord, their God. In that, uh, when the land was when the Jewish people dispersed, the land became barren, the land became a desert. And how do we know this? When you look at some of the writings, I don't know if you've heard of or Mark Twain. He's a famous one. Mark Twain and also Nachmanides. Nachmanides, I should say. Nachmanides was... Anyone heard of him? He, uh, Jensen has. Thanks, Jensen. Nachmanides was a Spanish biblical scholar. And in the year... 1267, he left Spain to travel to Jerusalem. He wanted to go to the holy city. And this is what he wrote about the country of Judea or Syria, Palestine. Or Palestine. He, could, he went to Jerusalem and he wanted to pray with other Jewish people. And he says, I could not find nine other Jews to pray with in the holiest city of the Jewish people. And he went on to say, Many is Israel's forsaken places, and great is the desecration. Jerusalem is the most desolate place of all. So it was, as Jesus said, it was barren, it was desolate. No one was returning. Mark Twain went there. You know, he was an American writer, scholar, in 1867. And this is what he said about Israel. Well, one may ride 10 miles and not see 10 human beings. So it was desolate. And he said, can the curse of a deity beautify a land? Because he was a Christian man, knew his Bible, and he knew that God had said, I'm going to disperse you. The Jewish people are going to be scattered like the wind all across the globe, and I'm going to make this land barren and desolate. But one day I will bring them back. And he's actually going, it's so barren and desolate. It's like, how is God going to do this, make it a country that is fertile and fruitful again?
But it was also prophesied that that's exactly what he did. And this is what he says in Ezekiel, through the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 36, talking about the country of Israel. But you, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people Israel, for they are about to come. For indeed, I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you will be tilled, and you will be sown. I will multiply men upon you, and all the house of Israel, all of it, and the city shall be inhabited, and the ruins rebuilt. And then they shall know that I am the Lord. That's why he's doing it. He's bringing them home. He has a covenant promise with Abram that he, you know, he, he's going to fulfill and keep, and so he's going to bring the people home. And who knows that in the late 1800s, people started to trickle back to the land. First of all, there were kibbutz farmers. They started to establish kibbutzes, you know, um, make the land arable, reclaim the land, grow fruit, grow vegetables, but just a trickle of them. Then came World War I. We're just going forward, but there still weren't many Jewish people living in the land. And there was a declaration made because people realised the Balfour Declaration, that the Jewish people needed to have a homeland of their own and they didn't have one. World War II came, but it didn't happen then. World War II came and we know that that anti-Semitism that was already bubbling was fanned to flame by the Nazis, by Hitler, and that six million Jewish people were annihilated in that time. And it was just following this that the United Nations made a vote that they Jewish people should have their own homeland and feel safe in their own land. And they knew that Jerusalem was the holiest of cities and they drew out a map and they presented it to the Jewish people and they said, yeah, yeah. So they also, at the same time, because Arabs had started to come in to work for the kibbutz farmers because there was wages to be made from surrounding Arab countries. They, that's why they went in to work for Jewish people. So they also at the time said, we'll make an, a state for the Arabs as well, we'll make a separate state. So they presented that and the Arabs said no. What they wanted was the whole land. So the Jewish state went ahead and on May the 14th, 1948, Israel was declared a state by the premier, uh, prime, prime Minister at the time, David Ben-Gurion. So Holocaust survivors were being brought in boatloads back to the land now of Israel. There were the kibbutz farmers and people started trickling back. Let's look how God intervened and, you know, kept his promise to Israel that he would bring them back to the land but not only would he bring them back to the land and make it fertile, but he's going to protect them. His hand is on them. In 1914, we know they became an independent state. But the following day, the British were, uh, following World War II, were controlling the area and they had to leave because now it was an independent state of Israel. They left and Israel was surrounded by five Arab countries who were on the border ready to invade. So these countries, it was Egypt in the south, Syria, up the north, Lebanon, Iraq, Jordan over the east. They were well-established countries. They all spoke the one language. They had an army. In Israel, they didn't have a national language. Because you can imagine, these Jewish people were living all around the world, so they spoke different languages, all coming back together. The, the Hebrew language had, was, had to be reignited. They didn't have a unifying language. They didn't have an army. 
There was no IDF. They were a brand new country. They had the kibbutz farmers that they put rifles in the hands of, the Holocaust survivors who were weak, and the yeshiva boys, the boys that go through ministry, might be becoming rabbis or you know, working in the synagogue. And they had to go and fight. They didn't speak the language and they had never fought before. But God had his hand on the Jewish people. And they were victorious. Not only were they victorious against five invading Arab countries with armies, they actually gained 20 to 30% more land than they were given initially. Amazing. No one went to help them. They were completely on their own. No other country came to their aid. And there was a 19... I'm just going to touch on a couple of wars where you can see where God's hand was on them. But there's been more skirmishes, more... There's much more to the history than this brief overview. In 1967, the Six-Day War, they call it, Israel, against all odds, quadrupled in size. They had Syria coming from the north, Jordan from the east, and Egypt from the south. And at that time, that Jordan controlled part of the old Jerusalem, the old city, and also the West Bank, Israel took it back, took that, captured that land. Egypt controlled Gaza, Israel took Gaza during that war, and they took the Golan Heights from Syria, again, against all odds, and quadrupled their territory this time. So they haven't even been a country for 20 years and the Yom Kippur, this is the last one I'm going to touch on, was the day, is the day of atonement, a big feast day for Jewish people. When Jewish people fast, they stay home. Um, it's a public holiday. So they're completely unprepared. And at this time, Syria and Egypt decide they're going to simultaneously invade. And you can see that Syria had 1,400 tanks and Egypt had 100,000 soldiers. One was coming from the, Syria from the north. They wanted the Golan Heights back and Egypt was coming from the south. But again, miraculously, God allowed or intervened and Israel won that war. Um, there were peace treaties later on and they offered the Israel, the people of Israel offered Gaza back to Egypt and the West Bank back to Jordan when they made peace treaties later. But Jordan said, uh-uh, we don't want it. And Egypt said, we don't want it either. Eventually, Israel did leave Gaza in 2005 bought all the Jewish people that were living there. I think something like 65 or 75,000 people had to leave their homes, their businesses, because they said, we're giving this land back to the, to the people who now call themselves Palestinians because Israel became an independent state, 1948, changed the name from Palestine to Israel. And later, the Arabs decided to call, they would take up the name Palestine and become Palestinians. But it was after Israel was made a state. And so they left on 2005 for Gaza to um, run the country themselves without any Jewish people living there. This is just an article from a guy called Michael Bose who writes about the miraculous birth of Israel. And it's a great article if you get a hold of it. And he quotes scripture, how scripture relates to the miraculous birth of Israel. And this is just one of his quotes. He says, There is no other country on earth that was driven from its ancient homeland only to return 2,000 years later. And to this day, the Jewish people have continued to make their way back to their God-given land. They have a name for it. They call it Aliyah. And Jewish people, they 
now have, I think it's close to 9 million people there. I could be wrong. But people are coming back. And even since the war in Gaza, Jewish people around the world are still coming back because they know that that's the country where they feel safe, where they'll be protected. That is their national homeland. And this is what God spoke through the prophet Zechariah. He said about Israel, he said, He sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. And surely, or for surely, I will shake my hand against them. So to God, Israel and the Jewish people are the apple of his eye. And you touch him and he will shake his hand at you. Why do you think they won all those wars? God will not have anyone annihilating the Jewish people or claiming the land. God is for them. He made a covenant that goes back to Abram, and he's keeping that covenant. Where is Jesus coming on his second coming? Back to Jerusalem, you know? And why is Satan, like, angry and wants to do work? It's because he doesn't want Jesus to come back his second coming, and he doesn't want the land of Israel to be there, and he doesn't want the Jewish people there. That's why we see such a rise of anti-Semitism. They say since, just to give you an idea, since October the 7th, the October the 7th slaughter of the Jewish people when Gaza invaded into Israel has not been seen since the Holocaust. There have not been seen such atrocities since the Holocaust. And they, some people even say they are worse. And I'm not going to go into them, but these people were civilians. There were some soldiers, but they were targeted first and killed. And it was civilians who did have had no defence. There were children and elderly people and women, and they were butchered, slaughtered, pillaged. Not only did the terrorists come in, but once that border was down, they allowed civilians, Palestinian people from Gaza to come in and have their way. And as they went, they picked up machetes, axes, whatever they, whatever they had. So it wasn't just the terrorists who went in. Dr Mark Hitchcock quotes this. This is um, anti-Semitic acts or incidences since October the 7th in the USA have risen 400%. I heard a quote for Australia that anti-Semitic anti incidents have risen 482%. And that's I think, was on the ACL. And I don't know. I mean, they, it's grown exponentially. We know that. It might not be 100% accurate, but we know there are incidents. There is a spirit behind this. It's a demonic thing that around the world, people are rising up against the Jewish people. There's an open hatred even, of Jewish people. In France, I mean, all around the world, there are signs and protests of gas the Jews and Hitler should have finished it off. Many uni students think the land should be given to Hamas. It's a demonic influence and the world is blinded to it. Um, just... This is just... I love this psalm, Psalm 121 verse 4. He who watches over Israel neither slumbers or sleeps. No matter what is going on, we know God is in control. You know, there was a terrible slaughter on October the 7th, but amazing miracles have happened since. You know that soldiers, troops going into Gaza, 
are praying before they go in. They won't go in without wearing, how do you say it, philatricas. You know, the prayer, they have a little box with, with verses from the Torah in and they wear them. They're like, we're not going in without that. They're establishing makeshift synagogues once they're in Gaza and glorifying God. They know that the only way they can win this war is with God. So there's been a turn back, a turn back to God. Before I went to Israel in June, Pastor Jess and I went with another group from Perth, from Victory Life. And when you go to Tel Aviv, it's as modern a city as you would see in Sydney. It's very um, forward. Uh, there's a lot, you know, like it's, it's like a Western country anywhere in the world. But there's been an amazing turnaround of people back to God, their only source at this desperate time. So that's an amazing miracle. I also an, an heard that when Hamas came in on October the 7th from Gaza, and when the IDF soldiers finally pushed back, went in and, and grabbed lots of ammunition that they had, they realised that what they had intended was a far bigger uh, onslaught than actually what happened. They had so much ammunition, it could have killed tens of thousands of people. They were planning to go in further into the cities. So that's God's hand again. We know atrocities happen, but God's hand is also, he's working. In Malachi, God says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Sons of Jacob, we know, are the Jewish people. They are not going to be consumed. We can be sure that if God's word is true, they are not going to be annihilated. Doesn't matter the protests, the pro-Palestinian uh, rallies. It doesn't matter what Hamas is doing, and we know Hezbollah is on the border up north, and they're a bigger force. And we know that the Houthis are in Yemen, and they're also firing in Israel. God has His hand on Israel. As we go further and further from October the seventh, you see how the nations actually stepping back from supporting Israel. So we we see that as well. But God, He's in control, and He will intervene on their behalf. So what, what in all this is our part as a church? We're over in Australia. But God says in his word, he gives us actual clear, actually clear instructions on what we as a church need to do. We need to be informed. We need to know what his word says. Where do we go to be informed? We go to his word. Because a lot of this was prophesied when we read the old prophets, when we read the New Testament, we read in Matthew. Matthew 23 and 24 talks about things that we will hear in the last days. Wars and rumours of wars. But the main thing for us to do in Australia, who are so far removed in a way, is to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, not to stop praying. That is a big force. When you, when you pray for Jerusalem, it's, it's not a could you please or, you know, just when they have trouble. It's pray for Jerusalem. They need it. As our prayers go up to God, things activate and move and change in the spiritual realm. And we know that this is a spiritual battle we know that it's more than just a war with people on the ground. Those atrocities that were committed against the Jewish people, no normal human being could do. There's a demonic force behind it. And as we pray, things can move. So that's our instruction. And to be informed and to read the prophets and to know what God says in his word. Read Matthew 23, 24. He clearly outlines things that will happen. And... The last thing, I think I wrote down a verse I wanted to share. 
I love this from Isaiah 43, verse 5 and 6. It is what God is saying to the Jewish people. And he says, Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, Give them up, and to the south, Do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. That's God. And he's still bringing people home to the homeland. As anti Semitism incidents rise, the Jewish people feel unsafe. You know, they're often hiding at home or locked in, in rooms in universities. You've probably heard incidents of that where students are trying to come against them. The place where they're going to be safest is their Jewish homeland. And they're coming home. God wants them home. He wants the people back in his land. So this morning as we close, I just want to, looking back and looking forward, even for us, looking back at 2023 and looking forward to 2024, I just want to encourage everyone that we are so blessed, aren't we, in Australia? But still, God cares about every single thing that we care about. And for many of us, 2023 wasn't an easy year. There were things that happened that were very um, uncomfortable or hurt. But God is saying to us, just let go. I am God. I am in control. Just like he said to the Israelites. And when I read earlier, do not remember the former things of old. God was actually speaking that out over Israel. But that pertains to us as well. We are in covenant, grafted in. And so this covenant also is for us. And God says, just let go of those things that might be uncomfortable from last year. Let go. I will take care of you going into 2024. Don't give up hope. I'm doing a new thing. And for some of you who may have hurts that you need or healing that you need to happen, you may have been unwell, there may be sickness, there may be brokenness in families, God is saying, let that go. In 2024 is a new season. We're walking a new season. And in God, there is always hope for your future. And I just want to encourage you, if that's you this morning and you want to come out from prayer, Pastor Jenkin and myself would love to pray for you. Anyone who may have not have given their heart to the Lord, this is an opportunity to give your heart to the Lord and make this the day of your salvation. You will never be the same. You walk, when you walk with the Holy Spirit inside you, who guides you and leads you, it's a wonderful thing.